If you are willing and able, would you stand uh, and follow along as I read the passage on which our sermon is based this morning uh, from Luke chapter one. Uh, This is what it says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth uh, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I want to say hi to everyone here on campus. Those of you watching online, it's wonderful to be together this Advent season. If you're new with us, I'm really, really glad that you're here, whether here on our campus or watching online. Uh, As we journey towards Christmas, our sermon series is called Unimaginable Arrival. We find ourselves beginning the church calendar year right now, and the season is called Advent. Advent simply means arrival. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a situation in your life where you found yourself in the middle of an argument between two particular parties uh, fighting something out. Uh, I had an issue recently in our family where our kids were upset with mom about a decision that she had made. Uh, Rachel, of course, was right. She's always right. But I had to navigate the tension and the emotions the kids were feeling of believing they had been wronged. I had to balance the emotions and the tensions of the situation. And friends, that is Advent. On the one hand, we cannot give ourselves to flippant songs of joy in this season, especially with the year that we have had. This is sometimes how our culture asks us to respond as we approach Christmas. Bury the sadness, bury the loneliness, and while you're at it, why don't you have another glass of eggnog? 
But this doesn't help us acknowledge the longing that we all feel inside. At the outset of World War II, uh, a poet, W.H. Auden, wrote the poem September 1, 1939. And in this poem, he spoke of this universal tendency that we all have to cover up acknowledging the longing. And rather, we embrace a mere sentimentality and denial about life. And this is what he writes. Faces along the bar cling to their average day. The lights must never go out. The music must always play. All the conventions conspire to make this fort assume the furniture of home. Lest we should see where we are lost in a haunted wood. Children afraid of the night who have never been happy or good. Auden names this desire we have, this, this fort that we create, uh, this, this place where uh, we, we make it as comfortable as possible to fend off any sort of fears that we may have. The place where the lights never go out and the music always plays. Advent asks us to resist this way of our culture and to feel the longing for a better world that we have. To name it, to notice it, to to call it out from within this feeling. There must be more to life than this. At the same time, many today find themselves more like me. Not burying our heads in the sand to the pain, but burying our heads in the sand to the hope. We find that in our souls, they feel like a house of cards that are blown over so easily by the latest news, the pandemic, the social unrest, the division, all of these conspiring to kill our hope. But the beauty of Advent this morning reminds us there is a reason to hope. There is a salvation that is coming into our broken world. I love the way Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, put it. If there was anyone who had a reason to not have hope in life, it was Bonhoeffer. Locked in a German prison, awaiting execution for his plot to conspire to kill Hitler in the 1940s. But amidst the pain of the world, Bonhoeffer wrote in his prison letters Ironically, just a few weeks before Advent in 1943, these words. A prison cell in which one waits, hopes, does various unessential things, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. Bonhoeffer reminds us that no matter how dark the prison cell looks, no matter the prison we may find ourselves in this morning, there is a freedom that will come from the outside. There's a salvation rescue underway. That is Advent. Friends, do you long for a rescue this morning? Where do we put our faith this Advent. 
three questions we must answer if we want to appropriately hold these tensions of the Advent season well and to find the freedom from the outside we are looking for. First, what's the significance with this baby? Second, what is the significance to this girl? And finally, what is the significance for our lives? The significance with this baby, the significance to this girl, and the significance for our lives. So let's look at the significance with this baby. In our passage, we hear multiple ways the angel Gabriel has come and has said that Jesus was was not someone who has simply come to tell us about God. He's not someone who simply knows the way to God like the teachers and other religious founders. No, he has come to declare that he is God. In fact, during this time, there were many claiming to be God-like. Caesar Augustus, who ruled all the known world at this time, claimed to be savior of the world. In fact, his birth, the Virgil, uh, the Roman poet, declared it was the advent of of Caesar. But Caesar, as much as he thought he was the savior of the world, he thought he was a God. Now there are people around him who knew and would have disputed his self-attested claims, probably like anyone of your life who, if you claimed those sort of ideas of grandeur, but the reality simply is this. Jesus was greater than any other religious founder because he was not coming to the world to say, I know the way to God. He was not even coming to say, I am a God. He was coming into our world to say, I am the God. And we have to make a decision about that. I hear people say, you know, Jesus, he was a swell guy. Uh, he, he, he did a lot of great things. He was a great teacher. I love this time of year, by the way. Love the songs. But he wasn't God. But I want to remind you this morning that Advent is calling us to acknowledge Jesus and all those who encountered him. That he did not give us that option. This is where Jesus is different from and greater than every other religious figure who has ever lived. Every other religious figure basically said, I know the way to God. Jesus Christ said, I am God. So Jesus is greater than every other religion. But notice also he's more humble than every other religion. No other religion believed that God would come as the most vulnerable member of society. No other religion believed that God would come as a baby. Christianity is different from every other religion because every other founder believed that that he would come and he would come as a baby. He was different from every other religion. He became fragile. He, He took on humility. His head was not in the clouds, unconnected to your reality and what you were going through. Advent is the reminder that he knows your longing, that he knows your pain, that he knows what you are going through. That he knows how fragile life can feel at times. The uncertainty of life. He knows it. This God does not have his head in the clouds, but he has dirt under his fingernails. I love the way St. Augustine put it. He said this. If you should ask me, what are the ways of God? I would tell you the first is humility. The second is humility. And the third is 
Humility. Humility simply means to be brought low. Jesus is more humble than any other religion could possibly imagine. He came as an embryo in the womb of a 15-year-old virgin. So this is the significance with this baby. He's greater than any other religious founder because he claimed what none of them would claim. And he's more humble than any other religion because he's not a God off in the clouds. This God is not some abstract philosophy. He's a God who knows the pain and brokenness of your world and mine. He's intimately connected with it. He knows the longing of Advent, the pain of Advent. He knows the pain that you and I all feel. He knows the sadness of this world and that it's not supposed to be this way. But we also have to see what's the significance to this girl. About 12 years ago, I celebrated my birthday with Rachel, my wife, on November 18th, in case any of you are taking notes. I know it was about 10 years ago because we had just moved to Orlando the previous August. And we had not been married a year at this point. And so we were still learning a lot about each other and how we saw the world. Rachel, I have learned, is incredibly sentimental. For her, the gift is mostly about the thought that went into it to bring that gift. Uh, And this may be a little exaggeration, but I could come home to Rachel this Christmas and I could say, hey, I was thinking about our marriage. I was thinking about how strong it is, how it it weathers every storm, how, how it's a solid foundation amongst anything that you and I could face And that is why I am giving you this rock for Christmas. This rock that I found in our backyard, I'm giving to you. And I'm willing to put money on it. Uh, Well, I shouldn't gamble in church, but um, (laughs) she would receive that gift and she would say, wow, that is beautiful, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. How kind of you. you. Now, as at some point, she probably would have wanted something else for Christmas, but the thought really matters to her. And you and I, we are still getting to know each other. And what I want you to know is I could care less about the thought. Can I say that out loud? I just want exactly what I told you already that I wanted. So 12 years ago, we had an early marriage collision of these values. We were living here 12 years ago. Rachel and I found a used bookstore right off of Park Avenue, just behind the Barney's coffee shop. We went in exploring. We found some old books there. One day, close to my birthday, November 18th, just in case you're wondering, Rachel was working downtown Uh, Winter Park at the time. And she snuck over to this used bookstore just before my birthday. And she was so proud of herself. She was probably thinking, Tyler loves to read. He loves to read. He is going to treasure these books. The thought that I went into to get him these books. He is going to be so surprised. He's going to feel so loved by me through this season and his birthday. He'll feel so cared for. Now, as I opened those five to six books that she had gotten me and picked out from that used bookstore, 
literally in my head as I am unwrapping them. I kid you not. As I'm unwrapping them, I'm saying in my head, what is this trash? Now, I know what some of you are wondering, and I will go ahead and answer it. Yes, I am in therapy. But please tell me there is at least one other person here today who has the same ideology. I have a wish list on Amazon. Just stick to the wish list. Is there anyone? A few honest souls. The rest, there's some of you liars. Yeah. Lying during Advent. Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't want? We have a word for that gift in our season. We call it a regift. We pass it along as fast as we can. You, you get something and someone will ask you, are you going to regift that? Well, friends, Mary received a gift she was not expecting and a gift she certainly did not want. A couple of reasons for this. First, Mary knew the implications of this birth. These were ancient people, but they were certainly were not stupid people. They had calendars. They had ways of telling time. They knew how long it took for a baby to be born. The people of her small town were able to do the math just like you. Hmm. Married in October, baby in December. Hmm. That's interesting. She knew the implications and an honor, shame, culture, this quote unquote gift would have been brought shame, not only to her, but to her entire family. And they just could not pick up and move Uh, in Orlando. You can move to the other side of town and start life over. This was a small town and a small town talks like small towns do. Small town was talk would be, who was it? Who is the baby daddy? Was it a final fling before settling down or a moment lapse in judgment with Joseph? But here we are, wedding in October, baby in December. Second, she knew the lunacy of this birth. Here's what I know happens sometimes uh, with people when we encounter the stories of Jesus. We read Jesus' birth and you you may be thinking, oh, I'm such a rational person. I'm such a logical person. Angels, virgin birth, a great message of hope, but it's all a myth. You may be here and you may have this idea about ancient people. Uh, They were not as rational or logical as you are. And that's why they were given into these kind of stories. You tend to think whether you acknowledge it outright or not, is that modern people are more logical, rational, put together, able to think through the world. Ancient people are more superstitious. You may even think today, uh, modern people think uh, religious people bury their heads in the sand. And I, I want to caution that this morning. You see, in this passage, we learned from Mary that she had some of the same issues that modern people have with this prophecy and with this angel in her midst. It says here in this passage in verse 29 that Mary, quote, tried to discern. Uh, this is a Greek word used for accounting. She was taking an audit. 
She was taking stock of the situation. She was questioning to make sure everything lines up. Uh, It's a term of immense rationality. Mary's probably thinking, "Am, am, am I dreaming? Is this real? Is that literally an angel right there? She, she would be going through the same bit of questioning her experience as you and I would. We have to understand that this would have been just as inconceivable, just as impossible for Mary to believe that her experience was true as it would be for us. And frankly, I would argue hers would may have been even harder. You see, Mary is Jewish. Jews believed that a Messiah would come, but Jews did not believe that the God would become a human. It would have been difficult, if not more difficult, for her to believe this angel and this message. She would have been faced with every bit of doubt and skepticism that you and I would have. This Advent, as we lean towards the birth of Jesus into our world, we have to try to discern like Mary. We will have to do an audit of our doubts, our skepticism, our our questions, just like Mary. But despite the implications for her, despite the impossibility of this situation, Mary surrenders herself to the good news that she believed was indeed fact and not myth. It was a message of hope breaking into our world, despite how difficult it was to believe. But the question this morning for us is, what does this message mean for Advent this year? Well, that's our final question. What's the significance for our lives? What we see in this encounter with Mary is the Emmanuel life, the God with us life. The God with us life is now declared and can be known and experienced by anyone. How do we know that? Because the God of the universe chose to be born in the womb of a 15-year-old Jewish girl. J.C. Ryle is a great Bible scholar. And in his commentary on this, he talks about Mary and what he says. In Mary, we see, quote, the utter absence of what the world calls greatness. Mary lacked all resume, all accolades, all the things through which the world would deem you worthy of God's visitation. But the story of Advent shows that God can be known and experienced by anyone who is willing to receive him. For all who the song says prepares him room. I don't know if you're like me, but maybe you find the insecurities in your life for why God can't be near you. We look at our issues, our flaws. We deem those are the reasons why God cannot work in my life. But hear the good news this morning, friends, no matter your insecurities, no matter your flaws, no matter your hangups, your screw-ups, your setbacks, your ailments, or your issues, no matter who you are, maybe this morning you would hear again, maybe for the first time from the angel Gabriel, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. There is good news. Like Ralph said, all those with a total absence of greatness. Do you hear God declare to you this morning? As hard as it may be for you to imagine, you, yes, you have found favor 
with God and he is with you. Blessed are the screw-ups. Blessed are the chronically ill. Blessed are the unemployed. Blessed are the lonely. Blessed are the poor. Blessed even are the bald. Wherever you have deemed God's arm of favor cannot reach. Maybe this morning you can see no matter the circumstances you face, no matter how dire the outcome may appear, God comes down to the most vulnerable of people into the most broken of places. And he brings his life. That is good news. That is Advent. Secondly, we have to see this Emmanuel life, this God with us life is now declared and can be known and experienced at any time. How do we know that? Well, in our passage, the angel Gabriel gives a very cryptic announcement to Mary when he tells her that the most high will overshadow you. What does that mean? Well, the word for overshadow is the same word used for when God's presence and the divine cloud overshadowed the tabernacle in Exodus 40. The tabernacle was the place where the presence of God dwelt among his people. And God was declaring that something better was happening. Advent was on the way. There was a reason to hope. That the ultimate tabernacle was coming into our world. It was arriving in our midst. Not in a place, but in a person. Jesus came that through him, you can experience the Emmanuel life. The God with us life. Anytime. Anytime. What this means for our lives is that no matter the situation. No matter the circumstance. We can choose to experience life with Jesus. His presence can overshadow your mundane and simply ordinary life in profound ways. When you are responding to emails for work, he is with you. When you are changing a really nasty diaper, he is with you. When you find out that you have been let go from your work, he is with you. When the medical report troubles you, he is with you. This life with Jesus can begin to overshadow all areas of your life. When you are dealing with a very difficult family member, when you're talking politics with a friend who is on the other side of the issue from you, when you are driving down the road and somebody passes you and they let you know that you are number one, but with the wrong finger in that moment. You can respond to them and you can let them know they are number one with the right finger because he is with you. He is with you. That is Advent. And more and more, you find that life with Jesus starts overshadowing your world and you start seeing all these reasons for hope right in the midst of a very broken 2020. He is with you. Do you want that? How do we get this Emmanuel life? Well, Mary shows us, it says this in verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
If you want to know and experience this God with us life, like Mary, we will have to surrender our wills to him. This is the message of Advent. We are invited to surrender our will to God and to see that there is a new way to life that we can experience right here in our midst. Despite the fears that may overwhelm us, despite the uncertainties of what the future may hold, in all of this, you can find joy that you did not know was there and hope to see you through all the chaos that you may be facing because Jesus has entered our world. He is with you. That's Advent. There is an Emmanuel life, a God with us life for all who would surrender their wills to him. And put their faith in him like Mary. The question this morning, friends, is have you done that? I invite you to see that Advent is the promise that you and I can experience the life we have been looking for. And the life Jesus longs to give you. Let every heart prepare him room. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the season of Advent as we prepare for Christ to be born into our world again. By your Spirit, empower us to see the God with us life throughout our day. Enable us to prepare him room in our hearts And to find our trust in him grow as we see the beauty and freedom of life with Jesus. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.